morning, good morning. How you guys doing? How many, how many of you guys drove here in a car? Good, because you need a boat to get back home. <laughs> Unless you have an amphibious. Amphibious? Is that right? Ambidextrous, amphibious vehicle. Awesome. Hey, man, great to have you guys. Um, this is one of those times when uh, you recognize people um, who, who want to be at church. Um, yeah, on a, on a day like today. Not that those other people aren't, they're not, they don't want to be here, but um, it, 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 you know, rainy days like this always um, tell you something about people. And so, man, it's just great to have you guys. I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time, um, you came on one of the worst days of the year, right? <laughs> as far as weather goes, but believe that God has something for you. We're really excited. There's something that I want to uh, just tell you guys. Um, those of you guys who have been on this journey uh, with the defining moments over the course of the last about two months now, um, it has been just a really exciting time. Had a great commitment Sunday a few Sundays ago, and this past Sunday, this past Sunday, we had our first fruits offering, um, and I just wanted to be able to report that to you guys today. And our our first fruits uh, our first fruits offering was the largest offering that we have had to date as a church, and it was this. Yeah. Three hundred and thirty-one thousand. That's really awesome. Almost ten percent of what was as actually committed, and so we're just really excited about that. We net, uh, like I told the staff and uh, just a few people that were close that I had been praying for like two hundred and fifty, um, and it's really interesting because when it was counted, um, uh, they they asked me, said, "So you know, what do you think?" They kind of played me a little bit in that they were like, um, you know, well, it wasn't what you expected it was going to be, you know, kind of played, downplayed it. Um, and then they took this big white piece of paper and held it up. And I was like, that was awesome. So thank you so much for your giving, man. We're just really excited about what God's doing. Yeah. Just really excited. So thank you. Uh, for just being a part of that. And we'll be talking after the first of the year about what our next steps are as far as a church. So you can continue to pray for that as we continue to journey through that. So the last few weeks, we've actually been um, on a journey through um, Advent season where we've been looking at, um, we've been looking at a few words today. The word is love, where the first week we talked about hope. The second week we talked about peace. And last week we talked about joy. And it's really interesting because I think those all build on each other, right? Because one of the things that we've frequently said over the last couple of weeks is that you can't have hope without Jesus. You can't, have, you can't have peace without Jesus, and you can't have joy without Jesus. And guess what? You can't have love without Jesus, because he was the full expression of God's love for us. And that's what we're actually going to talk about this morning. And to be honest with you, it's really hard, let's be honest, it's really hard to even put into words what love really is. Like words are insufficient, right? Because how many times have you said to another person, oh, I love you, but you've actually done something else? Right? I, we've all, you know, if you've been married at some point, you, you got married, you said, I, you said, I do, you know, you said, hey, I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my, I plan to spend the rest of my life with you. Um, I, I love you. And the problem is, a lot of times in those expectations, you expect that person to be perfect. <laughs> 
right? Well, I, I got in, I married Ashley and expected her to be perfect, to do everything I wanted her to do. Guess what? She hadn't done it. And guess what? I haven't done it either. I'm sure that there were some expectations. I know that there were some expectations that I didn't live up to. And the reality of it is, is that I can either look at that and say, hey, I just didn't measure up or one that she loves me regardless. She loves me in spite of whether I do right or I do wrong. And so that's, this morning as we start to say, ask the question, like, what is love? We can't actually look at the culture because the problem is, is that so many people nowadays are getting what they understand or what they think is true from the culture. Maybe that's the first question is, where do you get your information from? Where do you get your truth from? You get it from Facebook, you get it from social media, you get it from mainstream news, you know, where is it that you actually get your truth from? Because what we know to be true about who God is, what we know to be true about what he has done, we actually find in the Bible. So my encouragement to you is, if you want to actually know what truth is, then go to the Bible. Because this is what actually begins to help us understand, we talk about this whole idea of love, what love truly is. And we're going to look at that this morning. So, if you have your Bibles, you want to open up to 1 John chapter 3, or you got your smartphones, or whatever you use, I encourage you to bring something with you when you come to church to read. If you don't have one, we'll be more than happy to help get you one. Um, but you can always download the app to the uh, Version app helps put the Bible right in your hands. So 1 John chapter 3, I'm actually going to touch uh, a little bit on chapter 3 and verse 16, and then we're going to jump into um, 1 John chapter 4 and look at a few verses there. Because the Bible is where we find what true love really is, all, what love is really all about. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, this is how we know what love is. Now, like, that's pretty clear, right? And, and my attempt this morning is to help us, like, I don't have any profound words for you this morning. I didn't try and cra- recraft what the Bible actually says. I just thought it's really important for us just to understand what does the Bible say? And, and so, we, you know, if we're going to believe in who God is and what he says, and we're going to believe in his word, then we're going to take his word as truth. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Like, how more simple can we get? How more simple can it be for us, yet simple but profound, for us to begin to understand if we're going to try and put a framework or a foundation to what love really is, is that God already showed us a picture of it in His Son, Jesus. He said, and then we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And skip over to uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You're like, well, wait a minute. Why are we starting here? Because I find it really interesting that, that, uh, that the writer of 1 John actually takes this portion of Scripture and actually packages it before what he begins to help us understand what true love really is, what love really looks like. Because, because he says there are a lot of things that are going on in our world today that are trying to help us, give us an understanding or an explanation about what love is. And what we have to do is we have to be able to discern what truth really is. 
Because the problem is, is that in most situations we have, when it comes to love, we have believed a lie, right? I said, I do to Ashley. And I thought from that point on, our life was going to be perfect. I thought it was just going to be incredible. I thought everything was just going to be like the movies painted to be. Right? And then you get a you get a few days in, you know, the first week's great. Right? You don't argue, you're doing nothing, you're on vacation, you know, it's just an incredible time. And then you come back and like, hello, welcome to the real world. Now you gotta go to work and now you gotta learn to 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 navigate finances. You know, did you ever talk about finances actually before you got married? Other than say, hey, I'm broke, you're broke too, great, this will work. <laughs> right? We're both broke. I think, you know, Ashley's dad, Ashley's dad was a financial planner. So I was really scared when I went to ask him to marry Ashley because I was afraid he was going to ask me how much money I had. Because guess what? I had a thousand bucks, right? And it's like, oh man, he would have said no if he actually asked that question, probably. But I think it's, I think it's one of those things. So I, I digress. Here we go. First John chapter 4. It says to test the spirits, right? Because whether you want to believe it or not, there are a lot of things that the enemy is trying to to do is to deceive us and make us think what love is when that's not what true love really is, okay? And so that's what we have to be able to discern. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Did you hear that? So the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world, and the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to do everything that he possibly can to deceive us from knowing what truth really is. And so we as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to assume that everybody's a follower of Jesus here this morning because you may be trying to figure this all out from a spiritual aspect. You may not have a relationship with Jesus, but I hope and our prayer is that before you leave, what you'll fully understand is not how to discern the spirit, but that you can have a relationship with God. Because you can't discern the spirit. Listen to me. You can't not discern the spirit if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And he goes on to say, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, verse uh, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, because what happens when we walk into relationship with Christ, why do we step into a relationship with Jesus? One, I think we recognize our need for Jesus. We recognize our need for salvation. We recognize what God did for us in loving us and sending his son Jesus. And hopefully that when he comes in, he changes us and we fall in love with him and we're no longer the same. We don't do the same things. If you have fallen in love in relationship with Jesus, hopefully right now, you don't do the same things that you used to do because the word says that we start to put off the old self. We start to put off the old self. It's kind of like growing up. 
It's kind of like growing up. Hopefully, you don't do the same thing now that you used to do as a 15-year-old, right? You stop, you, you stop drinking a bottle of milk, hopefully, and now you're eating some meat, right? You're, e- you're eating some meat. So, as a, in relationship with Christ, but that all happens as we truly fall in love with God himself. Let's look at, let's skip down to verse 7. Verse 7 says this, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. See, there are two things that God's working on here in this scripture, and we'll talk about those in a minute, but just pay attention to these things. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because what? God is love. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Here again, how many times does he say, this is love, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, right? He's given us his spirit. When we step into a love relationship with Christ, when we say yes to him, it said, the, the Bible teaches us that he put his spirit, he put his spirit in us. And we have seen and testified to the father and uh, has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Last portion of verse 16. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So, what God begins to help us understand is what is love, that God is love. He cannot be anything else other than love, <laughs> right? He, he, he is the purest form of love. And to be honest with you, our words this morning are insufficient. Our human words are insufficient. And so, the only thing that we can take as a foundation for this is that this is what God says. And he didn't just talk about it, right? There's a lot of talk about love. There's a lot of people who maybe in your life have told you they love you, and then there have been moments where you're like, really? That's what love really is? But God is the only one who has truly loved us to the fullest capacity is God because he created us and he created us for that reason. So we have to be able to discern the truth this morning because the simple yet profound truth this morning is this, is that God is love. God is love. How do we know God is love? Because he sent his son Jesus to be that atoning sacrifice for us that we might have the hope of salvation. 
There's a, th- a couple of things I want us to think about as it, as it pertains to God is love. The first one is this, God didn't wait to make things right. God didn't wait to make things right. Remember, remember Adam and Eve? God created, you know, seven days he created the world. He created Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden and he said, hey, there's this one tree and this one tree is called the tree of life. And then there's this other tree that is the tree of good and evil. And what he said to Adam and Eve in that moment says, hey, this one tree, this one tree in the garden, you're not supposed to eat from it. You're not supposed to eat from it. So as God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them a choice. He gave them a choice. Hey, there's one tree, the tree of life, or there's one tree. And what choice did they make? Boom. They went to the very thing. And let's be honest, we're, most of the time, when we're told we can't do something, what do we do? That's where we go, right? There's not one of us that hasn't done that in here. Not one of us. Not one of us is perfect like Jesus and didn't make a bad choice at some point in our life. But what God did was that he didn't wait for us to make things right. Now, I want to focus on that word wait for just a moment. God didn't wait for us to make, th- make things right. You see, he, here's what's really cool. It's that God already had a solution, right? Adam and, he put Adam and Eve in the garden. There's one, one tree and one tree of good and evil. It wasn't like Adam and Eve went and ate the tree and God was like, wow, mm, I didn't know you were going to make that choice, right? God wasn't surprised by their choice, was he? Was, was God surprised by Adam and Eve's choice to eat the fruit of good and evil? No, because God already knows everything. He already knows all things. He created all things. He knew exactly when he created you, he knew exactly what you were going to do. He knew exactly what you were going to say. He still knows what you're going to do. He still knows what you're going to say. And guess what? He already created a solution while he was waiting for you. So in the waiting, God didn't wait. Here's here's what's really good for us. God didn't wait for us to come to him for forgiveness to have a solution. He already had the solution in in the waiting for us to come to this place of forgiveness. And it may be, if you're here this morning, it may be that God's still waiting for for you to come to that place, for you to say, I'm sorry to step into relationship. Aren't we thankful? Listen, aren't we thankful this morning that God is patient with us? And guess what? He's patient with the world. He could have easily, if, if you read the Old Testament, he could have easily destroyed the world a long time ago. But he has been patient because he says that it is his desire that none would perish. And what we know to be true is that God will not send his son Jesus back to earth until everyone has had the option of choosing him as Savior. And so God is patient with us, but in our waiting He already had forgiveness. What else I love about that is that now in our waiting, if we've already stepped into relationship with Christ, we know that Jesus one day is coming back. And guess what? In our waiting, we don't have to wait till Jesus comes back to to experience the fullness of God. 
We can actually have the fullness of God right now. We can fully experience all that God has for us right now, even while we're waiting for Jesus. Why? Because he says when you come into relationship with him, he'll put his spirit in you. He'll put his spirit in you. And we can experience the fullness of God's love while we wait for his return. The second thing we know about God, that God is love is this, is that God pursued us by sending his son. Uh, how many dog lovers do we have in here? How many dog lovers? All right, all right. It's, it's really interesting because when you start to talk about pets, people go crazy. They get weird, right? Okay, how many cat lovers do we have in here? I'm sorry, we'll pray for you guys. I, I don't like cats, can't be in the room with them for very long because my allergies start messing up, and then I stop breathing. Yep, I stop breathing. Well, almost stop breathing anyway. And, and, and so, um, there was, when I was a kid, I didn't grow up in a family that, uh, had, that had pets, right? Until I was probably, uh, I don't know, just a few, uh, a few years old, probably, I don't know, elementary age, and my brother decided that he was going to buy us a dog. You know, for Christmas, actually, he gave, he gave my mom, I was still living at home, I think I still had a brother. I had two separate families, right? I had a sister, a brother, and then my parents waited 10 years, and then had another brother, and then they had me, the oops baby, right? And so, uh, my other two siblings were out of the house, my brother decided, hey, he's going to, he's going to buy, he thought it'd be a great idea, he wasn't even living in the house. We had never had a pet. They bring this dog home. I think the dog lasted about two or three weeks, and then it disappeared. My, my parents gave it away. They just weren't dog people. But anyway, so, so we had this, we had this uh, uh, field out in front of our house. And as kids, in the morning when we didn't have school, we'd get up and go outside. Imagine that kids going outside to play, right? And so we go out, and I mean, we'd be out there playing all day long until, until dinner time, then we come in for dinner, and then we go back out, and once it got dark, then we knew it was time to come home. But we could do that, right? we get on our bikes, we go for miles. Well, anyway, there was this, this, this field out uh, just across from our house, and we'd go out, and we play like baseball, or we play football, or we do something in the field. Well, this one time we were out there playing, and, uh, and again, I wasn't really a dog person. I had never really grown up with a dog. And so we're playing, and all of a sudden I see this big old dog, you know, from a good ways away, and he's running toward us. He's running toward all of us kids playing. And the first thing I hear is, don't run, right? Don't run. I'm like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, right? That dog's big. He's got sharp teeth. And guess what Chris takes off doing? Running, right? All the other kids are like, but Chris is running. I'm like, I'm getting away from this. Well, guess who the dog ran after? Me, right? That dog comes flying after me, and he is a big old, I mean, he was bigger than me, big old German shepherd. He caught me right on the side of my hip, and from that point on, I wanted nothing to do with dogs for the rest of my life. But here's what I thought about in that, is that it's much like what God does for us, is that he's pursuing us. Now, he's not biting us. He He does allow some pain into our life. You hear what I'm saying? He does allow some pain into our life. But 
I believe that God pursues, pursues us with the greatest tenacity that we've ever known. Why is that? Because he's willing to take his son and sacrifice his son for our salvation. And here's, if you have never understood that this morning, is that what I want you to understand is that God loves you so much. I love that song we just sang, uh, Reckless Love. I love the lines in it. It says that he'll kick down any door, any wall running after us. He's willing to do whatever it takes. I'll climb up any mountain. And I truly believe that if we want to talk about what true love really looks like, it looks like being willing to sacrifice your son. Because it's really interesting about that song because the song, it was Reckless Love, was written by a guy who had a conversation with a person who wasn't a believer. And this person who wasn't a believer says, isn't it kind of reckless the way God loves us that he was willing to sacrifice his son? Because from the world, from the culture outside, it could look reckless, right? Because how many of us are willing to say, hey, I'll give up my child so that the people who hate them can still be saved? You see, because God knew from the very beginning, he wasn't surprised by anything that Adam and Eve did. He wasn't surprised by anything that we do. And yet, even in our brokenness and our woundedness and our hurt and all of those things, God still loved us and he still chose to, to offer a solution to us for our salvation and eventually our ultimate healing. So God pursued us by sending his son. You see, because we don't deserve what God offered to us. We don't deserve it. And we can't earn it. And one of the things that I wrote down that I was thinking about was this, is that some of you have felt or been exposed to a form of religion that made you feel like you had to earn your way to salvation. You see, because God's love leads to a place of salvation, it's a free gift that has been offered to us. And what happens sometimes in religion is that religion makes you feel like if you're just a better person, if you will just behave just right, then God will love you. And the truth is, is that God, God loves you regardless. And if there's anybody who should be an agent of truth, it should be the body of Christ who goes out into a world who attempts to try and love people and let them know that, hey, God loves you regardless of who you are and what you have done. And the problem is there are some forms of religion that have put these, these weights on us that made us feel like if I just did this or if I just did that, there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you any less. Going to church is not going to make God love you anymore. Reading the Bible more is not going to make God love you anymore. He already loves you. And that's why he did everything he could to run after you and to pursue you and to send his son Jesus to be that salvation. And no form of religion that makes you feel like you have to do something to earn God's love is truth. 
Some of you have felt the burden that you weren't good enough. That you didn't deserve what God has done for you. Because what the enemy has done is he has lied to you into saying, look what your life used to be like. Look what you have done. Look what you did yesterday. Look what you said. Look what, and try to build this, build up this mound of stuff that makes you feel like you don't deserve what God offered to you. And that is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell. Because God's love is not dependent on our behavior. It's not dependent on our salvation. You know, you want to talk about a gift? God, the greatest gift that was ever given wasn't something that you got last year for Christmas. It's not something that you're going to get in a couple of days for Christmas. It wasn't something that you were given years ago. It wasn't even the gift of your marriage. That could have been the greatest thing that you've ever had or whatever the greatest gift that you've ever want to say, man, this was the greatest thing I've ever given, gotten. The greatest thing you were ever given was you were given a gift in the Son of Jesus Christ and that salvation, and it's a free gift. But here's the reality of it is. The reality of it is, is that you actually have to receive the gift. You see, God's love is, God is love, and through his love, he offers the gift of salvation to you. But you have to receive that free gift that he offers to you. And so the writer of John begins to help us understand what is love? God is love. His son Jesus coming as the atoning sacrifice for our salvation to have the forgiveness of our sins, that is love. But then there's another part to this. Because what happens when we say yes to Jesus and we truly fall in love with Jesus, right? Okay, you hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. Because when we truly fall in love with Jesus, then we begin to realize that there are things that we do different because of who Jesus is and because of what he does in us. We're growing up. As we spiritually have to grow up because when we come into relationship with him, we don't do we don't do the same things that we used to do. And so the writer of John begins to help us understand that. And so our love for him, our love for Jesus is a choice that you've been given. A choice that you can choose to receive what he has offered to you. It was a choice that he gave to Adam and Eve. You can have the true tree of life. Or you can have the tree of good and e the knowledge of good and evil. But even in that, he still had a solution for us. It's really interesting because there was this, this encounter that Jesus had with some religious people in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. These religious people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, hey, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest law? And I don't know if you know about that, but there are 10 commandments. Obviously, there were 10 commandments that we see that God gave Moses um, uh, in, in the book of Exodus. But we also know at that time that there were 613 laws that 
the Jews had to follow as well. Can you imagine having to follow 613 laws? Obviously, nobody could follow that many laws. Nobody could be perfect in the Ten Commandments. And guess what? Neither can you. You're not perfect in the Ten Commandments, and you never will be. And so this religious person says, hey, Jesus, trying to trip up Jesus. Hey, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, there's two commandments. Jesus just took religion and flipped it upside down. And he said, hey, of all the laws, he said, there's two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this, John, first John chapter 4, is a, a true um, uh, picture of what that actually is. You see, because the world says, I love you if, I love you when you do this or when you do that. I love, but God says, I love you in spite of. The world says that I love you, that, that love is conditional, but God says that my love is unconditional. And so as we begin to understand that love, our love for him is a choice, we have to understand that his love for us should be a reflected in our love for others. Because that's what he, he said. How, he gave us a litmus, litmus test. So how do I know if I love God? And he says, do you love others? Because if you love God, then you love others. Now be careful because I know in your mind you're sitting there saying, well, I love some people. Right? I love some people. But then you can start to make a list of the people that you don't love. Right? And you probably can make a much longer list of the people that you don't love than the people that you do love. All your family's on one side. And it, but Jesus said, I want you to love not only your brothers and sisters, not only the people who call themselves Christians and are walking, but Jesus also said, what about loving your enemies? You see, he flipped religion upside down. Because he wanted us to understand that we had to be able, we had to, be able to love our enemies as well, because his love for us, when we truly experience the fullness of God's love in us, then what it does is it's reflected in our love for others, and that becomes our litmus test. Think about the person, I don't know, I'm trying to think about the word. Think about the person that you dislike the most. And God says, if you don't love that person, then how can you love me? And it's being able to navigate that and saying, okay, God, I need you to change me because I want to be able to love the people around me. Because, see, here's what he said, and this actually comes from verse 12, that love is made complete when we love others. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is what? It's made complete in us. And then if we even flip back to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, it says this, but if anyone obeys his word, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. 
So what does that mean? As God begins to change us, then the expectation, okay, salvation itself is a free gift that is given to you. But what God longs for and desires that as we begin to experience the fullness of God's love in us, then it changes us and it makes us more like Jesus. Because our love is made complete. You see, the truth is this. God is love. And we're called to be people who love as well. Will you close your eyes with me for just a moment? I want to read a scripture. I want to just close this time out by reading a scripture. It's a familiar passage. It's probably one that if you've gone to a wedding at some point, you've heard this passage read at weddings. But to be honest with you, it wasn't, it wasn't designed for weddings. It's a great one to use. And it's probably one that you'll recognize. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this. And I just want you to just listen to the words this morning and allow them to soak into your spirit this morning. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects it always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And what we know to be true is that that is the clearest picture of God's love for us. He is patient. He is kind. He is loving. All those things we can say about Jesus. All those things we can say about who God is. And so where are you at this morning? 
You see, we can, we can use Christmas to focus on a lot of things. We can focus on Christmas trees and we can focus on gifts and we can focus on lights on the house. We can focus on family and getting together. But that's just what our American culture has made Christmas about. Jesus was actually born in April. But it's a time that we as individuals can think about the greatest gift that was ever given to us in His Son, Jesus. If you have never experienced the fullness of God's love this morning, you can do that by one, saying yes to Jesus and receiving that gift that He offers to you. Or two, maybe you're realizing that there's someone or some people in your life that you're struggling to love and because of that, it's, it's driving a wedge in your own personal relationship with Jesus. Because it says if you do not love, you do not know God because God is love. And so would you ask God this morning to help you love one another? So that we can be the greatest expression as believers of the love that God has shown for us. is love would you just allow God to love you right now just let everything else go don't think about tomorrow don't think about today don't, think, don't worry about the rain just say God I want to soak in your love I want to I know more sense his love maybe you need to come to a place of confession and repentance where God I haven't loved this person and I want to start to love them because that's who you are God we just thank you thank you for your love Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. And I know that it's typical at this time when we start to sing the last song for you guys to start to check out. But there's something about God's love that I believe He wants to use to change us this morning. And so before you check out, you start worrying about how you're going to get home and where you're going to eat lunch. Would you just open your heart and your mind to say, God, in this last song, 
Would you just speak to me? Show me your love. Allow me to experience and feel your love right now in the midst of this room. And what I want to do is I just want to let this moment just kind of settle in as we sing this song. And then in just a moment, I'll come back up and I'm going to have our prayer team come up at that point and just really trust that after we've sung this song that maybe there's some work that you want to do with God. Maybe you want one of our prayer team members to pray over you. But don't leave this place without knowing the love of God. Let's sing together.